When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. As we see some movement at the takeoff zone, it's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry, this thing holding open, it spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit, spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got well, normally we open with Scott call it with Scott's yeah guy, but I'm not sure that he's got a yeah guy in him today. We're coming off of the boardroom show. It is September 29th, 2021. And Scott was talking all weekend long and I am afraid he's lost his voice. Do you want a yeah guy or no? <laughs> is that the real deal? That's the voice? Yeah, guy. Welcome, everybody. Spit. God darn it. Brutal. Brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's actually better. That's, I'd say, 50 or 60% better than it was on Sunday when I last saw you. Uh, so we're going to get lots of thumbs up. If, you, if listeners would prefer, they can watch the video version on YouTube, and maybe Scott can mime some of his um, <laughs> thoughts and emotions. We also are joined by... Real Water Sports' own Trip Foreman. Round of applause for Trip Foreman. Not hey only, there, David. Not only uh, one of the finest retailers, surfboard retailers in America, but one of the judges of the 2021 Icons of Foam tribute to Pat Rawson. Hey there, David. How are you? And uh, Scott, I don't know about 50 to 60%. I think you're about 500 to 600% better than you are on uh, Sunday night, but just, uh, I, I just got a hand. I just really want to uh, start this show out by thanking Scott and Tim and everybody on the boardroom crew, uh, for just putting on an unbelievable boardroom show. That was, uh, my first experience at the show. And I was absolutely, uh, I was absolutely blown away. And also, uh, thank you to us blanks, uh, for sponsoring it and, uh, providing all the blanks, uh, for the shapers and the, uh, icons of foam shape off just a, an incredible experience to, uh, be part of that all weekend. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Right on. We're, we were super stoked to have you trip and, um, and yeah, I mean, what a great weekend and, and thank you for coming all the way out, you know, I, it's, you know, so, I was going to say, go, go I, ahead, I, I agree with Trip. Um, I have been to previous boardroom shows. I feel like this one, the maybe the attendance was 80% of a normal boardroom show just because of COVID or whatever, but it was actually the most successful effort as far as I'm concerned. And especially in regards to the icons of foam, everything just felt like it was real dialed in 
all the, I mean, the boards that I saw, um, I wasn't studying them as closely as the judges were, but just from maybe five or six feet back, I'm looking at two boards coming out of the shaping bay. They all looked identical to me. And even from the early rounds, um, Valerie Duprat versus I think Timmy Patterson was the very first heat. And those boards look the same to me. And um, usually in other years, there's actually discernible differences, even from five feet away. This year, everything felt super, super tight. And the, the judging too, I felt like they took out the calipers, they measured every square inch. I feel like they were a lot more critical maybe than um, I've remembered in the past. And I just felt like it was a super successful show. So. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree with you, David. The, uh, you know, every, every shaper in there did an incredible job and every one of those boards was really, really close. And, and, you know, thankfully we had, you know, Roger Hines is just obviously incredible shaper and, and craftsman with his own brand with, you know, Robert, Roger Hines surfboards, but, you know, he was micro measuring every board and, you know, really breaking it down. Uh, you know, I was coming into the judging. I, it was basically for the, you know, the judges on on all of these boards were uh, Roger was the head judge. I was judging. And then Pat Rawson was also jumping in himself. And, uh, you know, the three of us each had our own way of looking at each one of these boards. But it was uh, incredibly close. Every, you know, every single round uh, the whole way through, or, you know, every heat, every round was, was really close. So def- and so I would definitely agree with you. If you have been at these shows before and seen them you know big spreads apart uh this one was significantly harder to uh to judge and even actually chris christensen jumped in uh later you know on sunday and after i can't remember which heat it was but he's like man he goes i'm sure glad i didn't have to judge that heat you know just because how how tight it was what scott do you have thoughts on that do you feel like it was the most successful yet and um did anybody get slighted by the judges what are your thoughts on the judging well, first of all, let me say that um, if I could have Roger Hines as the head judge from here on out, I'd be ecstatic. And I told him as much. Um, it would be kind of cool if Roger like stepped into a role as, as sort of my head judge throughout. But of course, that, that depends on who we're honoring. And I respect that as well. But Tripp's right. Roger did an insane job. A couple of things. Roger's won it two times. And, um, and you can, you just simply, he, he transcends any criticism you're going to give him. You cannot deny Roger Hines's ability as a, a shaper, as a craftsman and as a judge and as a person, nobody is ever going to doubt or question what Roger Hines has to say because they cannot, And it makes him the perfect judge. Totally agree. Um, there were a number of, I'm, because the competition was this close, I think there was a number of people that could have won it. Um, I didn't name all the competitors yet, but it was Chris Borst dropped out kind of in the last minute. Um, was that because of an injury? I heard he hurt his leg skateboarding or his ankle. I'm not really sure what the, what okay. the reason was. Um I do know he had a skate injury and I heard that it's kind of nagging, but anyways, Ward coffee stepped into his position. So we had Ward coffee from Santa Cruz, Valerie Duprat, obviously from San Diego, Timmy Patterson from San Clemente, uh, Bill Barnfield, uh, Chris Christensen, Ryan Birch. And am I forgetting anybody else? Is that it? 
Also, uh, Ryan uh, Sakel. Ryan Sakel, that was it. Yep, and Ricky Carroll as well. And Ricky Carroll. Eight eight shapers. So um, Ryan, not to spoil the ending, but it's already been announced, Ryan Birch ended up winning. This is his second year in a row that he's won. Uh, He won in 2019, so he took 2020 off for COVID. Ryan Birch is the freaking real deal. I mean, like, he is no joke. He's a phenomenal surfer, obviously, and he draws a huge crowd anytime he gets into the shaping bay. And I have a feeling there's a lot of young kids who know him as a professional surfer, and they know that he shapes. But it's not just that he's messing around in the shaping bay. Ryan Birch is the real deal as a shaper. Well, a couple of things. Um, Some of you, some people may recall that in 2010, I put on in conjunction with the Icons of Foam, a Young Guns of Shaping competition. We were down at the San Diego Convention Center honoring Simon Anderson that year. And I had Tyler Warren and Birch and um, uh, Dennis Kane, a couple of other young guys. I kind of can't remember exactly who it was, but, and Rusty was the judge for the Young Guns of Shaping. And of course, (laughs) Ryan Birch won. And that was, you know, 11 years ago. So um, this guy's been on his game for a long time. He's a natural. It's just, you know, it's one of those things. He's an artist, like all good shapers. He knows how to, you know, transform what he sees and feels with his hands onto a blank. And uh, and he's he's an incredible guy. You really, you know, you can't say enough about him. He's a good human being. He's a, a great shaper and a great surfer, and uh, uh, we're, we're stoked to have him involved in the show. Quite frankly, each and every year, I hope he'll come back and defend. You know, I'm like, oh man, because he's a busy guy. You know, he goes yeah. off to G G Land or whatever. Any thoughts on Birch trip? Yeah, I mean, just touching on the point that you made about you know a lot of the younger surfers following. Uh-oh. Trip, we lost you. Can you uh, hear me? Our filmer, Bill, who can Hold on. You you broke up there oh, for a minute. How can about you now? Start... You got me? Now I got you, but can you start at the very beginning? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Sorry about that, David. So, Sorry. yeah, I mean, just touching on that point that you made about, uh, you know, the younger surfers really following Ryan Birch. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, surfers that are younger than the three of us. Uh, Jeffrey O'Neill, our filmer from Real, who came out to, uh, you know, to document the event and uh, put out, you know, some good content through our website, uh, which we're really excited to release just because he was blown away by the event as well. But, uh, you know, being able to watch Ryan shape, you know, he's already one of Jeffrey's hands down favorite surfers of all the surfers that are out there. And then being able to watch Ryan shape in the event and meet Ryan in person was his hands down highlight of the uh of the trip so that's you know that's a good testament to what you just said that you know a lot of these younger surfers really follow ryan uh but you know what i observed is uh you know obviously he does a lot of hand shaping he does a lot of you know shapes and surfs a lot of you know very free-minded look you know looking boards you know and and you know his own lines in the in the waves and i and i think that that really helped him uh, in, you know, in the event, you know, one being able to handshape as well as he does, but also, you know, with these crazy wild cards that Rawson kept throwing down on the table, you know, for these shapers to uh, shape because, you know, the, the, what somebody might not know 
if they, you know, weren't at the show is that the shapers don't know what they're going to be shaping. It's not like they can get ready for the event. Uh, you know, the boards all of a sudden are just basically dealt out. And then it's like, here's your board for this round. And here's the board for the second round. And here's the board for the third round. And uh, they're not your average ordinary boards. I mean, round round one was uh, the 7-8 uh, Rawson TC Snap Herd Round the World board. You know, round two was a 6-5 Impala Quad. And round three was like a nine-foot like full beast of a, of a sunset gun, uh, Alan Sarlo's personal board. So, you know, none of these boards were like, you know, five eleven thrusters that these people are very, very familiar with. They were all, uh, very, very unique boards and really challenging boards to, uh, to shape. So I, I think that was one of the things that really helped Ryan is just, you know, how much time he's shaping and, and how, and how much he's hand shaping and how much he's shaping very unique boards. Yeah, and for the listeners um, who weren't there, the way that the competition works is the blanks are supplied for the appropriate board, obviously. And what's interesting is that Pat Rawson actually designed a lot of those blanks. So Pat Rawson used to be, um, he used to design blanks for Clark Foam back in the day, and now he's been designing blanks for US blanks. And so these are actual plugs that, Rawson designed and then made boards from that became iconic boards from that exact blank design. So when the blanks show up on Friday, Rawson actually templates everything with his own templates, which is a huge help for obviously the shapers. So they can just work off that template. They have to out, they have to cut the outline and then obviously shape the entire board themselves or the blank themselves. But um, that's the process that's involved anyways. Uh, One thing that I noticed about Ryan too is I don't know. I don't pay super because I don't shape. I don't really pay super close attention to what they're doing in the shaping bay technique and that sort of thing. But with Ryan, I noticed there was like a dance involved, just the way that his feet move with the planer. He's got like a fluid motion, almost a poetry to what he's doing. That is um, it's actually noticeable. It's like beautiful to watch. You know, there's kind of a, a beauty to him shaping the board. You've got a man crush on Birch. Just admit it. I didn't know until right now, dude. Like until this weekend. <laughs> I mean, I've been I've been fully aware of him all along, and I'm like noticing what he's doing, and I notice what other people do. After this weekend, I was like, dude, he's the real deal. Uh, I will tell you. I will tell you firsthand that Jeffrey had a massive, or not had, but has a massive man crush on Ryan. You know, speaking speaking of crushes. Um, I think we should talk a little bit about Valerie Duprat because she's an amazing woman. Um, I, she's in her field, which is biochemistry. She's basically like, you know, the, the Ryan Birch of biochemistry. She's like the wonder kid, you know, and um, she's, she's doing a lot for the health of our society through whatever it is she's doing. And I can't speak to it with any authority, but um She's she's an incredible PhD in biochemistry. And then on top of that, she has this incredible young family. Um, I surfed with her husband a lot at Swami's and um, she's got a couple of beautiful children. And of course, she's a beautiful woman herself and an incredible shaper, you know, like she's just an insane story. Like um, I'm a huge fan of hers. I know you guys are, too. Let's speak a little bit about Valerie. Well, why'd you start that segment off by saying, speaking of crushes, Scott? 
Um, because I know you have a crush on her. Oh, I mean, oh okay. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen the way you look at her. Um, her husband, by the way, rips. I mean, he's like a pro level, you know, back in it, certainly in his, in his heyday and he still rips. Um, but yeah, so Valerie has given that this isn't her day job, shaping boards is a side gig, uh, and really a passion project, probably more than a side gig. She was going up against Timmy Patterson. Timmy Patterson has shaped, I would say tens of thousands of boards more than Valerie has. And, uh, so it's, it's an incredible feat to even, like I said, put the two boards kind of on display afterwards. And I, they look the same to me from the naked eye. They look the same to me. And I know Roger, even after taking all the numbers off of those and measuring them, he said it was a super close heat. So huge effort from Valerie. Yeah, that was, um, that was my first time meeting about meeting Valerie and, uh, you know, I, just like the two of you, I was equally as impressed, like with her shaping and, uh, you know, she's just really humble, super sweet, you know, really nice, cool to hang out with. And, um, you know, it's, this is not her main gig. Like, you know, she's a, she's a scientist. She's not a shaper by trade. Like, you know, she said, Oh, I just shape on the weekends. And, uh, you know, to have her, you know, go up against Timmy first heat of the, of the event, you know, that's, that's a tough draw. Um, and especially with that board, like the, the board for round one was that seven, eight TC snap. So that's, you know, I don't think for anybody that's a, a standard board. I mean, that board is, you know, seven, eight, you know, under 18 inches wide under, I think it's two and seven sixteenths thick. And, uh, there's a lot of things going on in this microchip of a board that you have to micro shape even down to the there was like this little one dimensional beak on that board and that was kind of where it came down to in that in that first heat was Timmy nailed the beak and and Valerie didn't on but it's like it's making a perfect beak on a microchip of a board you know it's like the world's yeah. smallest perfect beak you know and uh that was the only place where you know, that really jumped off the, uh, you know, the rabbit ears as far as like what uh, Timmy kind of stood out. And there were some other small differences as well in the business end of the board, but she just did an incredible job. And it was, uh, it was really cool meeting her. And actually in the conversation, you know, this is like, you know, how uh, open she is about this. She's like, yeah, you know, I know who Rawson was. And I, I obviously I know he's a legend and I'm familiar with all the people that have ridden his boards and, you know, what they've done and in, in the history of surfing. But she had never had a Rawson board actually in her hand prior to the show. And so, you know, she blows me away in one of the interviews and she's like, yeah, I, I watched all the videos on Reel's website to to learn about the Rawsons prior Amazing. to the event, you know, which, Amazing. you know, obviously I'm like flattered beyond belief that she's saying that. But, you know, this is uh you know, this is how, uh, like, you know, kind of humble and everyday she is coming into the thing. And, um, you know, it was a big deal for her to finish that board in that, in that amount of time. And, uh, which I, I, I don't think you can give any of these shapers enough credit for, you know, being under the clock, being inside of a clear booth with like grandstand set up and everybody like watching and slamming their phones against, you know, the glass and showing how much time is left and, you know, cheering them on. And, you know, it's just incredible to watch. So hats off to her. She did a really good job. Yeah. And I was going to ask you, Trip. like you're talking about the beak being slightly off in that as a judge, when you're looking at two boards, 
I always wonder, okay, so if the beak is slightly off on this board, but on the other board, maybe the tail is too thick. How do you parse which one's closer? You know, if there's, cause they're the variables that are going to be different uh, are going to be different variables in either board. So how mm -hmm. do you decide which has a higher percentage of variables that are different versus the other when it's really that close? Right. So yeah, actually that's a really good question. So I mean, when, when we were looking at the boards or actually when I was like, when my, when I was grabbing the boards myself, you know, as the shapers were in their booths, uh, like I was very first just like looking for the things that jumped out the most, uh, on each board. And then also looking at the, the fine tooth stuff as well. And so the ones that jump out the most are the easiest ones to like, when you're looking at the shape blank after, after they're done, those are the easiest ones to find, but then you got to really like dig in to the, uh, you know, to the fine, you know, fine tooth stuff and look, look at the business end of the board, you know, look at the, the back end of the board where the actual surfing's being done. Um, and Roger had a great uh, scale, you know, he called it ticking all the boxes. And, and he said that he had gotten that, you know, that judging technique from Rusty. And, you know, while the beak is going to jump off the paper uh, or, or jump off the uh, sawhorses, you're, you're going to be looking, you know, throughout the entire board, and and ticking the boxes and if it if you had equally if you had an equal number of ticked boxes board to board then you had to start weighting it as to what was in the back of the board you know the you know where you know between your feet like the motor the motor of the board and, and what was getting done so you're going to give more weight to uh to that part of the board as far as the accuracy of the shape so you know the ticking of the boxes th certain things like length thickness width those are things that you simply cannot miss um and then once so those are weighted more heavily probably is what you're getting at yeah you've got you know length width thickness uh the the bottom shape of the board the deck shape of the board the rails on the board the rail thickness on the board the tuck on the board uh how far forward that crisp edge goes uh goes on the board because there was some differences in, in how far people pulled that sharp edge forward on the board. Uh, and then also, you know, one of the things Roger kept pointing out, and again, like to Scott, to Scott's credit, like if, if you could nail down Roger as head judge, that would, that would just be awesome for the, for the event moving forward. Um, you know, but he kept pointing out like in the, in the tail of the board, even because a lot of the tails now, regardless, regardless of the thickness, a lot of the tails now are going almost like with a vertical, edge down to a you know on the side to where it meets the bottom so it's just really really crisp rawson still has that crisp edge all the way to the tail but it's it's just tucked a little bit just a, a slight amount you know and roger kept pointing that out in the tail and that was something that we're always looking uh for as well yeah interestingly that's done by the sander you know and i'm presumably the sander's doing it to rawson's specs but what comes out of the bay versus what's sanded on a laminated board is can be slightly different as well um scott i'm wondering each show i think that you've made improvements you know you'll get feedback from a competition or the end of the icons of foam and then next year kind of implement those things were there any lessons learned in this show that you'll be implementing next time uh, well that's funny the lesson that I learned each year is that we have way too many judges, you know, 
like in my trip, opinion, trip, like, you're out next year. <laughs> I got cut. I'm, I'm off the island. <laughs> no, 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 no. Three is actually the perfect amount. I want three judges, but you know, you get more judges. You get too many cooks in the kitchen because we're on a time frame, you know, like I'm looking at it, like I've got a schedule I have to meet yeah. and I've, I've done 20 shows and I know enough to know that when you get a bunch of judges in there, it just, it just, it's a cluster, you know, but on the flip side of that, it's actually really good for the show, you know, to have, to have all of these legendary guys in there and they want to be in there and they want to give their opinion. And so it's kind of a double-edged sword. Um, but for sure, early in the rounds, it's good. Three, three judges is the perfect amount. You know, At the end of the day, it just comes down to Pat, you know, and it's kind of a good cop, bad cop. We get to point to trip and go, well, you know, you know, like Pat gets to kind of point and go, well, they said, you know, so it's kind of good in that way. I will say this, that uh, you guys mentioned how hard they work. I think Tripp was talking about it. And he's right. These, these shapers, especially the finalists, they're working hard on, you know, they, like they don't even know what they're shaping the final heat. They get this nine foot gun. That's just insane. You know, a lot of foam to deal with. Yeah. And so last time we did it, you know, Wayne Lynch was like, Scott, I think I, we went to lunch or something. And, and he's like, Scott, you got to give something to the second place guy, you know? And so we have implemented this sort of what we call the Wayne Lynch rule, which is the second place guy now gets 500 bucks. And, and we did that starting um, Wayne's year with Jordan Brazy. We gave Jordan 500 bucks. And of course, Timmy got 500 bucks for a second place. And then the other thing is, um, and I think it was mentioned here already, but Timmy com comes out of the second semifinal as the winner and we immediately push him into the final heat without time for a drink or food or so we have to figure out a way to give that second that second semifinalist time to kind of chill out you know and i've got to figure out a way to carve time out of our schedule so that that guy gets 15 minutes to kind of decompress before going straight in and that might have been um, you know that's sort of unfair in many ways uh, we'll give Scott's voice a moment to rest. So I'll ask Trip, but I want you to answer this as well, Scott, afterwards. Trip, any other highlights of the show other than the icons of foam? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, if I could just touch on, on Scott's point, yeah. just rewind just a bit. I mean, I, I would definitely agree. I mean, Tim, I mean, Timmy basically had to go three hours. Is, if I think I'm right on saying this, but like three hours straight. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, an hour and a half five minute break and then an hour and a half. And so, yeah, if there's a way, you know, maybe, you know, even if that last day goes to five o'clock rather than four o'clock, then he's got a little bit more time. It's, you know, it's kind of like the second, second semi at a surf event, you know, you, you're going to have a little bit of time before you go into the finals and that would be, you know, that'd be a nice improvement, but it, you know, going into, uh, going into next year, but, you know, I think the, uh, the show, the show and the concept has so much legs that, you know, you're going to be improving the, you know, what's happening at the show and what's happening with the shapers and the shapes, as well as like just the event format. You know, the event format shouldn't be fixed. It, it should be constantly evolving and improving, you know, over time. And that, that would be someplace that would be, uh, you know, a great, a great, you know, a great place to, you know, Im improve the event. Um, what I, know, I'll what, speak what, on that real quick before you do your highlight or other highlights. Um, what I like to see about it is 
the icons of foam is still the center of the show. I always think like shaping a board is only appealing to certain people. Probably there's going to be a lot of people that come in attendance and they want to see the finished boards. Maybe they want to see the celebrities and looky loo and stuff, but I'm what I'm constantly uh, not only surprised by, but happy to see is that they actually love watching the surfboard shaping as well. There's a tremendous reverence for the art of shaping. And so when, and, and the judging, they'll stick around and watch the judging. So when the, the biggest crowds in the room are always centered around the actual shaping itself. And certainly they'll do a lap afterwards and look at all the pretty surfboards, maybe buy a surfboard or whatever, but they want to watch the shaping. And so I think that's radical. So that's why, you know, got to keep keep that as the center and give those shapers the break or whatever it is and refine the thing itself because yeah it's it's the highlight for everybody yeah i mean i think it, i think if, if the show was just shaping you know i think that you're gonna lose you're gonna lose some audience or or not not have everybody you know paying it paying it attention and being like sucked into it but i think what scott's done a really good job on and you know this goes to like hey what you know what what's your highlight of the show is is ha- actually how much stuff is going on all at the same time mm-hmm. you know and and i literally never stood in one place for for two actually for three days like you're always moving from one thing to the next and there's always something going on and so you know obviously the focus of the show is uh is the icons of foam shape off but, you know, there's also, you know, in, you know, a ton of incredible surfboard companies there with their best boards of the year, yeah. you know, that you're just, you're just in these booths. I mean, like you're in Roger Hines booth or you're in Blackbird's booth uh, or in the Lost booth and you're just perving on these boards that are blowing your, like, they're like the icon on your phone, like where the guy's mind is blown, but that's actually happening in real life. You've got that going on. You've got new products and accessories being released for the first time. I really thought the uh, that Surfline did a great job with uh, those panel discussions. I thought that those were really fun and, and interesting. Uh, there was a film festival that was going on, not part of the show, but in, in the same area uh, at night. So there was good nightlife and good uh, surf film premieres. Uh, there's great surfing in the area. We had a bunch of super fun sessions. So... I mean, I think the highlight for me was just the, the whole package. You know what? You know, there was so much going on, some really cool people to hang out with and catch up with and meet, you know, for the first time. Uh, Jeffrey just completely starstruck. Um, I think he wins the uh, if we're going to have a, a trophy, a perpetual trophy for the man crush tro- trophy, it would Jeffrey would win that for sure. Uh, but you know, there's just so much cool stuff going on at once. I would say the highlight is like the whole package. Like if you're looking at this show and you're, even if you're like, I mean, I think probably I probably traveled the furthest unless somebody traveled from like, you know, Northern Maine or something like that to come to this. No, no, no. No, no, no. We got guys. We got guys. I'm just saying, I'm saying in the United States, in the United States, in the United States. So, but if you're like, Hey, well, that's a California thing. Like, no way. Like, I think, I think people should come to this show as a destination trip, you know, just cause it's, it's so much fun and there's so many cool things to do. And, uh, Scott's a surfer, you know, so the, the show doesn't start till 10 o'clock. You can surf like three hours every morning before you come in. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. <laughs> let me, let me chime in on some things that you guys have touched on. So if I could have left with one board, 
yeah. the board the board that psyched me a lot was that smooth operator by lost it's kind of right in my wheelhouse it was like six six or six eight is a little wider you know it had a four fin setup but you could rode it you can ride it as a tri-fin too it had a single box in it like a bane box and uh that board was sort of in my you know middle-aged wheelhouse you know what i mean like i didn't i actually did not leave with a surfboard this year which i think is the first time ever but yesterday i went to a surf shop and paid full pop for a brand new longboard are you kidding me <laughs> no i'm not jeez dude yeah, you I do not quit yeah i just i just know what i like and when i see it i'm like oh man so i bought a new longboard yesterday what'd, what'd you buy i bought so my uh, john keys encinitas surfboards he makes really great boards anyway i bought a I brought like a single fin longboard thing, but like a, you know, performance edge, like something that I can turn, you know, like not like a 50, 50 rail, like log thing. This is more like, you know, I just want to do a bottom turn and walk up to the middle of the board and do my hand jive, you know? Do you do that as like a celebration because you're done with the weekend and it's kind of like, all right, man, I need to, I owe myself a little gift here. Yeah, there's a little bit of that for sure. There's a little bit of that. I just knew, plus I need a good longboard, you know, like I I, I just needed a new longboard. I, I, I actually rode a log the other day out of Swami's and I, I was falling on my face, man. I was eating shit, you know, like I couldn't do a bottom turn on this thing. I'm like, good Lord, you know, like just give me a port. I can do a bottom turn on, you know, I might be able to run up and sneak five toes over the nose maybe, but you know, I, you know, Dude, what am I doing? I'm just, I just want to do a bottom turn for God's yeah. sakes. Is that asking too much? No. Um, how long does it take you to recover? I mean, not just your voice, but just mentally and spiritually from the weekend. Uh, like a week. Yeah. Takes me two or three days because it's a marathon and it's not, my marathon is not as long as yours, but you know, the building of the booth, the prep, the week of is always super stressful. The setup on Friday the entire weekend, the breaking down of the booth and everything else on Sunday night. It's a real marathon. Trip Foreman emailed me Sunday night at like 8.30. I was like, dude, leave me alone. Don't you dare. I, I do not want to talk boredom show. I literally just sat down with in and out and all I want to do is gorge myself and then sleep for like 10 hours. How dare you email me and interrupt my dinner? Uh I was still I mean, working. Yeah, not surprised. It, it doesn't surprise me that Scott bought a board at at uh, full retail. I know. I know that 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 show. I mean, that show is like the fluffer of of buying a board. It's like a a four play teasathon. I, I don't think anybody could leave that show not ready to not ready to buy a board. But I do want to point out that I I don't know if Scott's statement about like I didn't leave the the show where the board is entirely accurate because I hit up, <laughs> I hit up, <laughs> I hit up, I hit up Rawson at like four o'clock and like one second about that TC seven, eight snap board, you know, taking it back to real. And, and he's like, Oh no, like Scott already got that one. Shut up. Yeah. Yes. Oh, so what Scott meant is he didn't physically walk out of the building with a board. He was going to be picking it up later. I, I just met a board that I'm going to ride, you know, like I'm, I, that board's a part of the show's history. I'm just going to keep it for legacy. 
Wow, look at you, Scott. Uh, so, so Trip, when will real water sports have Ryan Birch's boards in stock? That's a good. That's a good question. You know, we got to we got to reach out to him and see see what he's up to and see. You know, I, I'm sure his backlog before this show is was way out there, but you know, I'm sure after the show, it's going to be even further out. But uh, I mean, what a talented guy, you know, like just the, the whole, you know, the, his surfing and his shaping are both, you know, on, on a really high level. Send him this episode and let him know how hard everybody's fanning out. The people want him. Um, well, we should give a shout out to real water sports and let him know we're, you guys are giving away a surfboard in about a week, less than a week. Yeah, so we uh, we have something going on right now. It's called the Real Surfboard Giveaway, and it's uh, it's one of our biggest promotions of the year. And and we give the opportunity, and it's free to enter. You don't have to be a member of anything, subscribe to anything. You just go onto our website, and or you can look it up online. It's just realwatersports.com forward slash podcast, which is the the link from your guys' podcast, and. Uh, you go there and you enter to win any board in our inventory. So, you know, it doesn't matter if you're looking at the Christensen, you know, 11 foot Chris craft, or you're looking at a lost, you know, round nose fish, 96, five, four, you know, any board in between, you know, and the ground boards, the long boards, gliders, guns, like Pizel, Padillacs, anything is on the table for one lucky winner. And we draw that winner uh, on October 5th. So that is a um, crazy yeah. giveaway. Crazy. It, I, it, you said, you said there's no restrictions when you told me about it. And I'm like, and I just took that. I'm like, okay, fine. And then listeners were actually sending me like that Chris Christensen board that you just referenced. They're like, right, right. Uh, uh, this is the one, like, I'm definitely taking this. I was like, man, maybe Tripp didn't know what he was getting into, but sounds like he did. No, I mean, we have, I mean, it's, and it's, it's easy for all of us to like, you know, to put the, uh, to put that fantasy in your head, you know, like, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to take a 10-5 Padillac or I'm going to take a, uh, a JS Big Baron or, you know, who knows what they're going to pick. But, um, you know, for, for somebody who, uh, you know, that only rides shortboards, they would never want a Chris Craft, you know, right. or for somebody who rides Chris Crafts, they might not want a shortboard. So it's cool to be able to, uh, to pick anything in stock. And, you know, it, we have so much fun with it, you know, and, the people who win this thing are just over the moon when they get to yeah. pick out their board. So yeah, it's a, it's a really cool promotion. We're, we're excited to uh, be partnering with you guys on it. No gimmicks, no purchase necessary. Realwatersports.com slash podcast is where you enter to win. And yeah, I think there's five or six days left. So do not delay, get in on that. And also uh, consider real water sports for any surfboard for, uh, purchases in the future. I know you guys, your inventory is 1500 boards strong how do you get the board to the winner trip uh so the board and they get to choose any board uh that they want to and then we uh ship the board to wherever wherever they are so it's either going you know it's going fedex or any of the other carriers that we use and it's a uh you know yeah it's a great it's a great promotion and we're we're looking forward to pulling the winner on october 5th but you have so, to enter the win. You have to enter to win. So if you if you don't enter, you can't win it. So I uh, up until I met you had Scott. You're up next. Oh, or you're, are you raising your hand to win it? <laughs> <laughs> I want to um, win. I want to win that thing. 
prior to meeting you, Trip, I had a preconceived notion that shipping aboard is a hassle. You know, it's like, oh, if the if it's not a local retailer, if it's not a local shaper, then I'm simply not going to buy it. I need to go pick it up. Um, how have you unlocked the shipping equation? I mean, I think a lot of it is is mindset. You know, like a, I think a lot of a lot of times people just don't want to ship boards or they just can't get their heads around shipping boards. But our warehouse team, uh, Zach Johnson, who's our warehouse manager, uh, you know, he surfs every day. He ships he ships boards every day. And, and in his mind, he's shipping that board as if he's on the receiving end of getting that board and going straight to the beach and surfing it, you know? And so he's literally packing every board that he sends with that much love, like literally like he's going to be the one cutting the tape on the other side, pulling it out and surfing. And so he, you know, over the course of the time that we've doing this, he's, you know, ship boards all over the world. And like you mentioned in a, previous show he's actually landed like a full quiver on the end of the of a dock in indonesia like where a charter boat came by and actually grabbed the boat grabbed the box in motion to keep going on the on their trip you know because they'd broken a bunch of boards and they needed to get refilled so um you know from our standpoint now you know with how well our guys pack them and like all the shipping carriers that we work with like getting all the logistics ironed out you, you actually have a greater chance of dinging the board yourself turning a corner leaving a shop then you know coming out the front door or hitting a pillar or your car door or something like that then you do uh having a ship you know ship it to you yeah and you guys are able to do it affordably too it's is it a flat rate yeah so it's a flat rate per size you know so you know, obviously the, the short boards are less expensive than the mid lengths are less expensive than uh you know than the long boards and the guns but, uh, you know, each one of those has a flat rate. So it's, it's really easy to shop too. You know, you go to the website, uh, realwatersports.com, you're looking at your board and then you can automatically tell how much it's going to be uh, to ship that board to your door. Yeah. And, you know, the other, the other thing that kind of stands out, I think, is our customer service uh, reps are really friendly uh, and really knowledgeable on the boards because we live, you know, for those of you that don't know Cape Hatteras, I mean, you can literally throw a rock to the water from our shop and uh we've got a great you know surfing playground right in our backyard like we're where we're able to surf all these different boards and you know compare and contrast like and put the right board onto your feet because not everybody obviously needs the same board and yeah. i think that's one one of the thing where our, our staff really shines is is helping people get you know between our video reviews online and then you know when you come like with your kind of final choices that's like where our staff really shines is, is helping you pick the right board and, and get it set it up, set up with the right fins and leash and bag and everything and get it shipped right to your door. I love a retailer who is passionate about surfboards. Um, I've interviewed, we've done a series of um, interviews with retail surf retailers. And as much as they love surfboards as surfers, they talk about how it takes up a huge footprint and there's not a lot of margin on it. And so they start focusing on clothes over the years and all that sort of stuff. So it's great to see that you guys are so committed to um, the cause and the educating of the cause. So good work. Oh, th thanks, David. Yeah. I mean, like, you know what those people say, it's all right. It's definitely right. <laughs> you know, it's, a, yeah. it's, a, I mean, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, an athletic, um, challenge to keep up with just the number of boards that we're, you know, receiving and shipping and, and it does take up a big footprint, but, you know, for me, like, 
I, I get a few pairs of board shorts and some wetsuits and that's literally the last of I, that I think about those things. Um, I'm like Scott, you know, I'm just an absolute, I, I just go absolutely crazy about boards yeah. and it's, it's that passion that keeps uh, real running with, uh, with surfboards. And we just have a, we have an awesome time with it. Good. Um, so guys, there's a number of things that we can talk about other than the boardroom show in this week's episode, but I'm concerned about Scott and his voice. Scott, what do you think? Well, speaking of shipping surfboards, I want to talk about the California Gold Surf Auction, which closes this Saturday, October 2nd at uh, 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We have 45 incredible vintage lots and uh, the auction's heating up right now. Guys are uh, throwing down some crazy bids. We got some cool boards. So, um, you know, I just wanted to mention that. Of course. What's the website? Where do people go? Uh, auctions. That's auctions, plural. Auctions. The vintage surf auctions. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Google California gold surf auction. Um, so do you want to talk about the U S open or are you shot? Is your voice too shot? Well, you know what I'm doing? So I literally went to real water sports website and I just typed in, I went onto their chat and I'm like, how much for an in the pink Donald Takiyong longboard shipped to Auckland, New Zealand. And immediately I get a reply from one of their guys there. And he's like, how big is it? I'm like, I like the nine two. He's like, okay, I'm going to email you right away. I'm just going to get a quote together. So, I mean, the, the real go. water sports website's happening because I got people emailing me going, how much to ship to Auckland, New Zealand? I'm like, oh my God, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're leveraging trips staff to do your R and D for the surfboard no. auction. No, I actually, I don't do shipping. The auction doesn't do shipping. Okay. I have a, okay. I have a shipping liaison, Dolly, who does a great job. But I just wanted to, sh I knew that Trip had his act together and I wanted to prove it right here in front of me. And uh, the customer service is through the roof on Real Water Sports. And oh, by the way, you better get me off this website because I'm about to order a board. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, there's two long boards in one week for Scott now. Holy mackerel, uh, some cool boards. Hey, let me say this. So I'm actually watching the longboard contest, the WSL longboard contest, as we've been talking here. That wave is a pretty damn good longboard wave. I think it's a better longboard wave than it is a shortboard wave. And now that's kind of con not controversial, but that could be debated. But from a competition standpoint, I seem to be enjoying myself watching these longboarders get in these incredibly long nose rides in really critical spots. And um, I'm pretty psyched on it, to be honest with you. It's, there's some really good longboarding going down. I, I'd be stoked if they got rid of the leashes, though. I don't know yeah. why they have leashes in this thing. They should get rid of the leashes. If you fall, you pay the ultimate price. You know, the problem is that uh, they're worried about tearing the liner of the pool with boards hitting it. So obviously it could still poke the liner if it's on your leash, but there's less opportunity because it won't be rolling with the wave for the rest of the pool. So yeah. that's the issue. That's um, good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's pretty incredible that you've, you generally don't watch the longboard events in the ocean. And the one that you are watching is in the pool. That's a real about face. Well, the waves are perfect. Like, I mean, you can really see, 
some really good nose riding going down, you know, yeah. it's, you have to be a good surfer. I think, I think the pool really shows you who's a good longboarder and who's not, and who's like a shortboarder that's faking it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which would be yeah, me, yeah. you know, like I'd be the guy that would be out there like pumping it. You know what I mean? Totally. But the guys that are style and you can see guys because the key, it's easy to walk the nose on a slower wave, but when the wave's fast and you're up on the nose and you got a back pedal back, now I know you're a good longboarder because I would shuffle back. I would scoot back. You know what I mean? But the really good longboarders are constantly cross-stepping. There never is a shuffle involved. I have a feeling if this contest took place when you the week that you got your Wayne Rich B-Dog, you would not be watching. But it's because of the purchase that you made yesterday that now you're all amped up and studying every aspect. That, that could be. That could very well be the case. Um, so I've got a ton of listener line calls. I've got us open with a call as well. Do you want to save it all for next week when your voice is restored, Scott, or should we do some of it now? Uh, for, for trip's sake, let's do one listener call and see, see if I get beat up here. Hi, David and Scott. Uh, this is Brandon from Ventura, California. And I have uh, a question of that have been thinking I might be guilty of the last couple of times, last couple of weeks. Uh, this last run of South we've had around here in Ventura, as you guys well know, there has been a stark increase of wave storm people and bowels. And question for you guys, if you see people in wave storms paddled out, I automatically think I am going to drop in on them. I don't give them any, basically any leniency. Uh, I'm thinking if you're going to actually really take this seriously, you get an actual board. But if you have a wave storm, uh, I will drop in. And if you catch up to me, I'll pull out. I'll pull out but uh, you're pretty much guilty before proven innocent. So uh, thank you, guys. Love your stuff. And adios and aloha. Burning a wave storm. Yay or nay? Well, here's the deal. Is that for me, this all comes down to, um, like, initially, I want to say, yeah, that makes sense. But really deep down, that's not the way I want to, I want to behave. I, I want what has to happen for me, not for this guy, but for me, in a perfect world, right? Love and tolerance is my guide. And, and if that's the case, if those are where my values are, if love and tolerance is my guide, I can't just randomly burn people based on what they're writing. Because it's just rude and it's... And yes. it's basically, it's not the golden rule. That's not the way I would want to be treated. Let's rewind the tape to previous episodes, though. You do have, <laughs> you, oh, do no, have no, no, no. <laughs> you do have a criteria in your brain that allows you to burn certain people based on this complex matrix that only is unique to you. And so it would make sense that a wave storm would fall into that matrix, if I were to guess. I just don't think it should matter what what equipment you're on. I think at the end of the day, I, I kind of think about like, what would Duke Onomoku do? You know, like Duke would be like Aloha, you know, which is basically love, you know, like, and so I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not saying I even do this, but I'm saying my advice for peace and tranquility is to show a little bit of love and tolerance to your fellow man. And, so um, I'm trying to do that on occasion. I pull it off many times. I turn my ego gets the better of me, but that doesn't, 
give me, uh, you know, like I don't get a, a, a pass for that. Like, it's just not right. I agree with your philosophy. I think what this listener maybe didn't say is that we all have a, a preconceived notion when we see somebody walking up the beach with a wave storm, we go, oh, that's a beginner. Good thing, because if he's in position, he's going to take off on a wave and go straight to the beach, which means I can just go in front of him and he won't be able to catch up to me. And he did say in that call, if he catches up to me, I will then kick out. But by sheer virtue of the fact that you showed up with a beginner's board, that gives me carte blanche to kind of pull rank. I think that's what he's getting at. Yeah, look, every situation's nuanced, you know, and um, certainly, you know, as a as a general kind of overarching thing, you know, I'm I'm just going to stick to my initial reaction. But certainly, there are going to be times when it's like, you know, dude, start the car and get the car going, you know. Otherwise, I gotta I'm gonna go, you know. Like I yeah, I gotta get through exactly. the drive through here, you know. Like the In and Out Burger needs to be eaten, you know. I so, I feel surprised at how well people are surfing now on wave storms, and it's not. I'm not saying all yeah they surf good on other soft tops but i'm saying even wave storms i see guys riding wave storms who can actually rip and so i used to apply the burn all wave storms rule probably three years ago but now you don't really know you see some people actually battling for position taking off riding it doing a bottom turn on it and so uh you kind of have to be a little more discerning what is the wave storm uh scene like out in north carolina trip I mean, that's, that's awesome. You guys are bringing this up because uh, I mean, like what you're saying, David, you just don't know who's going to be surfing it. You know, like the, we had a, a really fun day a few years back uh, up in New York. I was visiting my parents and there's this uh, real, there's a, a sand point near where they live that can actually get really fun. And there was a guy from San Diego that was there in that same area for a wedding, didn't bring any boards. Then there was a hurricane swell couldn't find a board. So he went to Costco and bought a wave storm and he ended up being actually, he was a really good surfer and he ended up being on that wave storm. One of the standouts in the session where people were actually giving him waves because wow. of uh, like how deep he was taking off on the thing and getting barreled on it and, you know, just, and making the thing look really, uh, really fun. Like one, one of our staff, uh, Chris Rutledge, he has, you know, probably one of almost every board that we sell. And so he's got good boards, but he'll he'll just get shacked out of his mind on a on a wave storm. Um, and and he loves doing that. So I think it's just it just depends on who is, you know, obviously those are uh, that's the minority of the yeah. people on the wave storm. But, you know, you, you never know when the next Jamie O'Brien is going to be paddling out on a wave storm. So you, you got to just look at, uh, you know, if there's only if it's a lot of lulls and there's not a lot of waves and you don't want to waste a wave, then, yeah, you got to look at like what you know, what they're doing prior to the wave. And, um, totally. but you know, you got to at least give them, a, you at least got to give them a chance. Yeah, I agree. These, uh, with any of these rules, they're subject to change at, you know, a moment's <laughs> notice because things develop. Um, I've got one more call. Well, I've got a lot more, but I've got one more that I want you guys to chime in on. And this is kind of in relation to the U S open for me. Um, it's fat Aki calling in. Yo, this is for uh, David and Scott Spit Surf Podcast. This is Fat Aki calling. Um, I want to talk about what I think is the most exciting thing in surfing right now, which is where women's surfing is at right now. 
Um, I feel like women's surf, women's professional surfing right now is really similar to like 1989 of the men's pro tour where it's the last generation before the momentum generation is going to come and change everything. So, and you, you even have like some analogous characters, right? You've got Carissa who's maybe, it's hard to say who Carissa might be. She's kind of Tom Curran, but also like Stephanie Gilmore's Tom Curran. But anyway, you can kind of go through and see like you got these titans of the sport that smash the lip and are just doing heavy gouge rail turns and maybe just experimenting with an air here or there. And it's really, I'm really super stoked to watch them surf, honestly. It was more stoked than the guys, really. Um, but what you have coming up right now is you have the Aaron Brooks and the, uh, and Josh Kerr's kid and, uh, just a whole host of young women who can boost massive airs. And I predict there's going to be a, like, momentum generation sweep coming in the next couple of years. Three years, maybe? Four years? Caroline Marks? Gone. She'll be like Elkerton in 1996, you know? Like, how, how, how could even, like, you know, Courtney Conlog, like, how could she possibly win a heat against Sierra Care when Sierra Care is going to boost some super crazy air and, like, do a fin free blast at the end? It's just, there's a total revolution coming. You can feel it. You see it in the clips, much like the early 90s were for men's pro surfing. It's going to change everything. Surfing, I'm super excited to see it. And, uh, yeah, I actually think it's the, one of the more exciting things on the future. So, anyways, boys, take it easy. It's hard to argue against that. I saw some of Katie Simmers' waves who won the U.S. Open on the women's side this week. She's 15 years old. And it was just, it was like, she's CT level already. Like, if she was up, and beating CT surfers in that event, by the way. But if she was up against any of the women in the CT, she could make a final with that surfing. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Uh, well, I'll go first, um, Trip, if you don't mind. So, <clears throat> Fadok, he brings up uh, something that David and I spoke about recently, which is this is definitely happening. And it's definitely going to be exciting in the next few years, for sure. Um, but the crucial element here is the judging. If the judging, if the judges don't reward some of the crazy surfing we're seeing uh, from the women, uh, you know, and and then three and three to the beach are are getting sevens, and incredible airs are only getting whatever. Well, so we got to wait and see on the judging. But Fat Aki, of course, is right on the money here. And then, yeah, following up on that. The, uh, you know, Fat Aki, that's a, uh, it's a really insightful observation. And he's, I think he's on point for sure. The, you know, whether you're talking sport to sport uh, or, or even within the sport, you know, history, history repeats itself. And the, and each time that, you know, uh, sports evolve, they evolve more quickly. And, you know, so we're in, we're in that, like what he's calling like, like that 90, era of uh you know of switching from you know just wave-based surfing to, in, to going to the air and it's it's definitely happening right now and you know touching on scott's point about the judging you know the judging has to be there to support going to the air but i think right now in the heats it's still i think in their heads in the in the women's surfing head it's it's still like i think i'm going to get more points on the water you know, cause it's, it's the consistency or the height isn't there yet in the heat, 
to, to warrant it going all the time, but we're not that far away. I think the big, the big thing that the women have going for them right now is the, is the pool. I was let, you know, last night I saw uh, a post uh, that Sky Brown put on and in Waco that I immediately forward to, I've got a 10 year old daughter, daughter Nova. And I immediately, like I saw that and I forwarded it like straight to Nova. I'm like, check this out. I mean, she's just launching in the pool at Waco. And that's where the, uh, where the progression and, you know, the practice and the evolution of, of the sport's going to really accelerate, you know, for the women and then allow them to take that back to the ocean. You know, the men never had that back, you know, when it was going that direction, but the, the women have it now. And that's going to be the last thing that they needed, like the last part of the equation to take it to the air, uh, in the heat. So, yeah, I would, I would definitely agree. That was a really cool question. I, I don't see any denying Aki's observation. Like it's happening full stop. Um, the, the disparity between the clips that we're seeing from sky Brown, um, Aaron Brooks, Sierra Kerr, Katie Simmers, and what's happening on the tour is night and day. Like it's this gulf of difference between the, the skill level and, uh, the, what's interesting is I agree with what you're saying, trip, the pool will allow them to refine it. Aaron Brooks just posted a clip in that same, uh, in the Waco pool. She was there with sky Brown and she does insane airs. Like she does like a judo kick. She does various rotations, various grabs, giant straight airs, the whole, like a whole range of airs, but none of it was actually as good as what she was doing during stab high. Last year or last month, she won stab high in Costa Rica mm -hmm. in the ocean. And there was a lot more, um, there wasn't more variation. There was more spontaneity. You know, she'd be surfing a wave and a section would approach and she would just throw something. And there was a wild element to it, but she was still stomping it and landing those as well. Mm -hmm. So I think she's got it in the ocean. To Scott's point about the judges coming around, I don't think there's any denying they're surfing. Like the judges are, uh, scoring airs highly already, you know, when Carissa did hers earlier this year, big frontside rotation grab in Australia, she got an eight, nine, three or whatever that score was. Um, so they're already rewarding it. The frequency by which the young 13 to 15 year old girls are doing it is just, you know, tenfold of what the women on tour are doing it. And I agree with another thing that Fat Aki said, which was, it's going to make Caroline Marks look like Gary Elkerton, not Caroline. Yeah. I think he did say Caroline, but Courtney Conlog as well. It's like Courtney better start really figuring out the air game if she wants to hang, because she just is going to look like a dinosaur and we can already make the dinosaur analogy from looking at clips, but once they're in a heat together, it's going to be clear as day, you know? So, well, the other thing is if it's, if, if we're talking about six to eight foot Margaret river, Courtney's going to be fine. You know, um, these girls are still are growing into their adult bodies. Some of these 15 year olds, like they're just not strong enough, but if it's, you know, competition at Huntington beach. So a lot of this has to do with wave location. And, and frankly, if we're in this dream tour situation, if the girls are going to G land, I'm down with Courtney. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Caroline, <laughs> Caroline specifically. Yeah. Yeah. I don't disagree with you there. Um, I've got one more call that I would love to get both your guys feedback on if you're up for it. Hey, Scott and David, this is Joe from San Diego. 
I was just calling to kind of get your uh, unethical pro-life tips or surf tips. You both surf crowded breaks, and uh, there's there can be uh, 50 people out there on a Tuesday at 10 a.m. So I wanted to know what your keys to success in crowded lineups are, such as making extended eye contact when someone misses a wave or encouraging someone to take a wave when you know something's better is behind it. And I'm just kind of kind of wondering what what are your five keys to success out there? Thanks a lot. Take care. Keys to success in a crowded lineup. <laughs> well, look, I, the best advice I can give is advice that I sometimes don't take. But I've, if I'm trying to be at peace in the water, then the best advice is to befriend as many people as possible. It's not a good idea to make enemies, no matter where you are. And any, even if you're in the supermarket. Um, I found that when I make friends in the water, if I smile and talk, uh, generally they're like, oh, that guy's a pretty good surfer and he's a nice guy, I'm gonna let him go. But if I hunker down and kind of put on like, you know, a little bit of a competitive vibe, there's a lot of alpha males out there that are gonna throw down the same exact vibe, but now I've got to deal with four guys, you know, going at it as opposed to four friends. You know, so the best advice I would give, and again, it's, it's nuanced, everything's nuanced, but overall, if, if you can make friends and smile and chat people up sincerely, uh, things generally go good for me. I feel like you're smoke screening this listener. You don't want, you're going to keep your <laughs> techniques to yourself and you're going to tell him to do the opposite. So when you encounter him in the lineup, you've got the one up on him. That's what just happened. Wow, you're overthinking this thing, man. <laughs> um, my keys to success in a crowded lineup, I will share. I'm going to keep some of them to myself, but uh, I fully agree with what he said, it, where you hoot somebody into the crappy wave. And even if they don't end up going on that wave, as long as they turn around and make an effort for it, you've now got advantage for what's behind it. So that's a tried and true one that always works. Um, another one that I do is sit right next to kooks. Like if it's pretty crowded and there's two guys who clearly don't know what they're doing and they're chatting it up, I'll often go sit right next to them knowing that ultimately they'll block for me. Like they're, they're in maybe a position of priority for the wave that's coming, but they're probably not going to get it. And even if they do get it, they're going to eat it and I'll be next in line. But when somebody who does know what they're doing sees three or four of us all sitting together, they'll just want to stay away. So I'm using those guys as decoys, sitting right next to them, letting them think they have priority, but ultimately they're just decoys that I'm going to out position once the wave comes. Um, oh, look, the other if thing- you want. Yeah. If, if you, if you want a really good strategy for crowds, this is one that we used to employ at blacks a lot. Um, this was a long time ago in the, in the mid to late eighties. And I've done it at some other spots too, but if you and your buddies are out there and there's 30 other guys, we would employ a tactic known as the fake fight. And we would literally get in fake fights with each other because nothing disperses a crowd like a confrontation. And so we, like, I would just give my buddy the eye, like, okay, let's do the fake fight. And we would throw fake blows and push each no other way. underwater and scream and yell and splash water. And immediately we'd have the peak to ourselves for like 15 minutes, you know? That's hilarious. Um, 
that's a strategy you can consider employing. But I think the first thing I said is probably more mature. <laughs> All right, I'll cut that one out for you. All right, Trip, you got any techniques? <laughs> just, I would just say you want to yeah, bark. For once, it's not my dog barking. Oh, well, let me mute this thing. All right. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, I was going to say get the pinkest board that you could possibly get. Um, because if you, if you paddle out on a, if you're, if you're a guy and you paddle out on a flaming pink board, then, uh, I think you're going to get three waves immediately while people try and figure out why you're riding a flaming pink board. The other thing you could do is bark like Scott's dog would be a good way to get, uh, get a bunch of waves. And, uh, but no, I mean, the main thing, you know, if you want to get, if you want to get waves in the crowd, I mean, you've got to be where the, uh, where the waves are breaking. Um, I mean, I see a lot of people shy away and hang on the shoulder and they're just like kind of nervous and they're not really in the place where the waves are breaking. You know, if you go, if you paddle into where the waves are breaking and you aren't talking with people, then you're going to be nervous and you're kind of going to be all frozen up and you're not really going to catch any waves. Like kind of talking about Scott, what Scott was talking about or David, I can't remember who, but just talking it up and feeling comfortable. And being, uh, you know, being in that position when the wave does come, um, I think uh, you're going to be, you know, be in a good place. The other thing I like, you know, one of our team riders, Brett Barley, he's all over the lineup. Like he'll get a wave and then he'll surf the end of the, you know, he'll surf the inside and the end of the wave for a while. And then he'll surf the mid peak and then he'll come back up to the jetty and he'll surf up there for a while. Like kind of putting yourself all over the lineup and looking for uh, different opportunities other than like, the focused opportunity. That's another way. Yeah. And just, you're, you just keep moving. The more that you're moving and the more you're surfing, like the more, and the more you're talking, the more relaxed you are. And, uh, it just helps you, uh, you know, get a lot more waves and also have a lot more fun. So I implement a similar strategy to Brett. It's more intentional though. And, um, I'll surf where the waves are crappier and I'll stay super busy and catch a bunch of waves and try to kind of surf my best because that ends up drawing the crowd. So they might be sitting on, and I'm talking about beach breaks. If it's a point break, obviously, you know where you want to sit, but if there's a beach break and it's like 80% is good over here, I'm going to go surf over there where it's slightly crappier, stay busy, make it look super appealing. And it just, people gravitate to it for some reason. And then once they're hunkered down over there, boom, I switch back to the better spot and then just kind of wait for the good ones, you know? And you can do that multiple times throughout the session and it tends to work. I mean, the other thing, the other thing that's happening right now is like the power of the internet and, you know, Instagram and everything else is that it's all like, it's like the age of exploration is almost gone. Uh, yeah. And it's the, the internet is refocusing the crowd on one. It like basically no matter where you live, the, the most popular place is becoming your pipeline and everything else is, is gone. You know, like every, yeah. all other breaks don't even exist. And so if you want to be battling out, you know, a 50, 60, um, 75, um, 70, 75 person crowd, then sure. Go to the most popular break. But the second, you know, the second best break is normally in a vacuum behind yep. the first break. And there's normally, normally like, you know, five people there or, or exactly. 10 people there, you know? And so, it's, uh, you know, not going to, you know, if you're in that situation where you you feel like you're getting more waves than you want, then, you know, pick the second best break and have, you know, 10 times as much fun. Totally. Um, 
Well, boys, it's been a great show. The boardroom show is amazing. Scott, do you have, I know you've been too busy to watch surfing on the internet probably, but do you have a must-see moment this week or a Duke and a kook? Uh, my Duke is Trip Foreman for coming out for the show and being a part of it for sure. And I don't have any kooks. Everybody's, everybody's uh, good. It's all good. My must-see moment is episode four of Lost Track Atlantic, produced by our longtime sponsors, Need Essentials. And um, I mean, honestly, this thing is taking the internet by storm. This is a phenomenal series. It was a four-parter, so this is the final episode. I interviewed Torin uh, and published an episode with Torin last week to talk about it, and that's been well-received. But somebody left a comment on that episode and uh, on YouTube, and they said, the ship Stearns section in the fourth part of Lost Track was one of the most phenomenal surf cinematic achievements ever crafted, in my humble opinion. Fitting coda to the mind-blowing series. And um, I agree with them. Yeah, phenomenal stuff. Beautiful surf film. Beautiful documentary. There's adventure. It's a travel adventure documentary. And of course, Torrin Surfing is second to none. Have you been watching the series trip? Yeah, that uh, I've been loving that series. And I almost was about to start episode four last night, but my uh, my boardroom hangover, the, the boardroom show hangover is still strong. And I'm, my eyes were like literally just like caving in on themselves. Yeah. So I'm excited to uh, I'm excited to uh, catch up with that. The uh, I mean, highlight moment for, you know, for me this week is without a doubt the boardroom show. You know, it was uh, I've been to a lot of shows and a lot of shows I just sort of seem kind of lost in the land of bikinis and board shorts and yeah. knickknacks. Um, you know, I was, I'm, I'm still just kind of blown away, like with what Scott has put together. Um, you know, it's su super exciting. Uh, I, you know, if I had to pick, you know, the, the kook side of it, I'm still, I still can't really figure out how to drive in Del Mar, there's all, I, I, I think I'm, I think I'm the kook. I have to, uh, I think I'm going to go to driving school and figure out what all those lanes are for. You got like the driving lane, the shared lane, the bike lane, the <laughs> sidewalk, those curb dividers. We lost your audio. We lost your audio trip. Houston, Houston, Houston. It's all right. <laughs> Hey, if you can find your way back in trip, we want you, but we're going to sign off anyways. Um, yeah, I agree with what trip said, Scott, tremendous effort at the boardroom show. It is a true gift. No small feat at all. A lot of it probably goes, uh, thankless and unacknowledged, but it's an amazing event that you do for everybody. So good job. Oh, thank you, David. That's yeah, a lot of fun. And, um, I'm always stoked to see you there and, uh, I hope we sold some t-shirts. <laughs> yeah, not as many as we would want, but we sold a few. Yeah. So yeah. my highlight for the boardroom show, as always, is interacting with listeners. And, and yeah. it's, it's not just, I mean, I won't, I probably shouldn't, I should keep some of this uh, anonymous, but it's not just people coming up and fanning out, you know, like, hey guys, I'm a big fan of the show. It's actual legitimate Friends. heartfelt stories of people like, again, I'll keep it somewhat anonymous, but it's people like 
hey, eight years ago, you did an episode where you talked about this specific aspect of mental health. And here's what I was going through at that time. And here's how it affected my life. Uh, I had another guy come and say he relocated his family to Encinitas because where they were at previously, he's been there 20 years and, you know, it's changed so much, but every week in and out, it's us talking about this, not directly, but just kind of him fantasizing about this other life that exists for that we're living in Southern California. And uh, through that kind of constant exposure, it just became a place that, man, maybe I would like to live there. So they vacationed here with their family. And lo and behold, when they had to make a move, this is where they ended up moving, you know? So all sorts of fascinating hey, stuff. You know what? I, as I listened to your chat there, something came to me. I do actually have another Duke that's important for me. And it's um, <clears throat> this morning, I went down to Beacons in Lacadia and Keen, do you remember Keen? Yes. Keen, Keen Weber Hayes. Well, today is the three-year anniversary of him getting attacked by a great white shark at Beacons. And so to, to you know, I don't, uh, I guess to make, not to honor, but to just to celebrate, I guess, um, Keen surfed today. Um, on the three-year anniversary of the shark attack, he, he went out and paddled out at Beacons. And I was down there and a bunch of people were down there. A bunch of people surfed with Keen. And uh, Keen's my, my Duke. And there's a really good podcast that I did with him on the Boardroom Podcast with Keen Weber. Hey, you should, you should go check it out. It's, he's a fascinating kid and an incredible story. He's, in a, he's a young adult now, but um, he's, a, he's just a surf-stoked guy. And uh, Keen's my, uh, my Duke Anamoku. Great call. Um, and uh, we lost trip due to technical difficulties, but there he is. Oh, he's back. I'm back. I'm back. Sorry. I, I, sorry about that. We, we, uh, we talked so much. I killed my AirPods. That's all good. Um, so realwatersports.com slash podcast to get in on that giveaway. Thank you for that trip. Keep up the great work with real water sports. Hey, thank you so much, David and Scott for having me on the show today. Uh, and I also just wanted to throw out, a huge thank you to Pat Rawson for inviting me uh, to be one of the judges and be part of, of the boardroom uh, honoring Pat. Uh, you know, Pat's been a, you know, we've been doing boards with Pat for 23 years or so, or so, and, uh, and, and have been friends with Pat that long. And he is just an absolute, uh, he's a great human being. You know, everybody yeah. throws out, you know, you know, legend in a lot of different ways to a lot of different people. Uh, but you know, obviously Pat is a legendary shaper, but he is a legendary human being. And he, uh, there's a lot, you know, more to Pat than just his shaping. Uh, you know, there's his music and, uh, he, he get, he gives a ton of himself like to the Hawaiian community and helping and helping people. Um, and, you know, he's just been a really close friend of mine for a long, long time. And so, you know, not only, you know, being part of the show as a judge, but, you know, being there, you know, for Pat as a friend, you know, at this at this special moment in his life, you know, that, uh, you know, where this whole show is is honoring his shaping career was was just awesome. So I just wanted to thank Pat as well. And uh, yeah, really looking forward to next year's show. And uh, I'm here in California. I'm up in Santa Barbara right now visiting my visiting my daughter, Nova and surfing up here. 
this week. So yeah, I'm just excited to be out here in California having a good time. So thanks it looks again. Like, it yeah, thanks looks again like you're in, looks like you're in Puerto Rico, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The shot in my background is in Puerto Rico last winter. I went down there for a uh, for a good swell, like at the beginning of February. And um, yeah, I've got some great memories and some awesome friends there as well. Awesome. awesome. Any any closing words, Scott? I uh, just, you know, I want to thank Trip for being a part of the show. And <clears throat> everything you said about Pat is right on the money. So until next time, David, adios and aloha. Mother, Mother Ocean, I've heard you call. Wanted to sail upon your waters since I was three feet tall. You've seen it all. You've seen it all. Watch the man who rode you. Switch from sails to steam And in your belly you hold the treasures You have ever seen Most of them dream Most of them dream Yes, I am a pirate Two hundred years too late There's nothing to plunder I'm an over 40 victim of faith Arriving too late Arriving too late I've done a bit of smuggling And I've run my share of grass I made enough money to buy my Miami But I pissed it away so Never meant to last Never meant to last And I have been drunk now for over two weeks I passed out and I rallied and I sprung a few weeks But I got to stop fishing Got to go fishing down the rock bottom again Just a few friends Just a few Gonna hit up town